And this is a particularly uh, what intense and um, long chapter with the questions and answers. And it's a fundamental point that I think is not so easy for us. The chapter is called, Can Anything Hurt Us? And if you reflect on that, what is the first answer that comes to mind for most of us? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. So, and that's part of what Joko is addressing when she starts talking about the fact that she says, I feel sad for those who are not yet willing to do this kind of serious work, meaning serious work of practice, because they will suffer most. It's... In a way, if we take this as a um, in a dour sense, in a sense to think, oh, I must do this because otherwise I'm going to suffer, almost as if it's a threat, that's really um, missing the point. And that's also where the that um, first paragraph description of that student starts off with. It's not that we need to practice because otherwise things are going to turn out not well, but we need to practice because we keep discovering, if we're present, all the ways that we do things that turn out not well, or that not well, or even worse, suffering, seems to hound us in different aspects of our life, despite the fact that we try all these other ways to, um, as the first paragraph person says, have a good time and enjoy ourselves. Joko is, in a way, reminding us that that kind of attitude is like the attitude of someone who jumps off the top of a very tall skyscraper and as they pass by someone looking out of the 80th floor, they say, everything's still going well. And they, going down on the 50th floor, things are great. (laughs) It's, in a way, what Joko wants to encourage us is not to go looking for where there's difficulties but to go 
not go, but be in our life so that we can see where we get entangled in what perpetuates problems, where we get entangled in what she would call false solutions that in a way make things worse, in a way make for more suffering and harming. And fundamentally, that's what our practice is about. About using the reminders and opportunities that suffering and harming offer us because they, in a sense, energize and focus our energies Use those opportunities as spurs, reminders, and supports to do the ongoing practice when it's hard, like when those arise, or when it's easy, so that those don't arise without being noticed and without being embraced as practice. So, but let's go back to the question that the paragraph begin, the uh, chapter begins. Can anything hurt us? What do we believe? If you were to look, what do you believe? Can anything hurt you? I suppose it's always it depends on what you mean by hurt. <laughs> what do you mean by hurt? Well, you know, there's reactions to what people say or do, which may seem like that's a hurtful comment because I believe it and I'm mad about it, so I have an emotional reaction to say that's one thing. Um, you know, but there's there's also, um, you know. Say somebody's in an accident and they get hurt. You know that's another thing. You know, you, you let's say you fall down a flight of stairs and you break your one breaks their leg. Yeah, I mean but, you know, they but, were injured. That's a that, that's a different thing. But I think she's talking more about the emotional. Piece. <laughs> Is that right? It's obvious if you've read the chapter. It's obvious that she's not saying that you're you're if you fall down the uh, stairs or. If you step out in front of a car that's driving by, you won't get hurt. Of course. But that isn't the question. The question is, can anything hurt us? Even being sick and dying, can anything hurt us? Well, like on 78, okay, in the second, third paragraph. It's not that the point of practice is to avoid avoid feeling hurt. What we call hurt still happens. I may lose my job, an earthquake may destroy my house. But practice helps me to handle crises, to take them in stride. So long as we are immersed in our hurt, we'll be a bundle of woe that's of little use to anybody. If we're not wrapped up in our melodrama of pain, on the other hand, even during a crisis, we can be of use. That's right. And notice she's making the point of in here, differentiating between pain and hurt. 
So, if we, of course, these are words, and it, it's important to see what they're pointing to. So, we could use hurt as a synonym for pain, but that isn't what she's doing. She's making a, a very specific point. And, of course, she starts out with circumstances like, I may lose my job or an earthquake may destroy my home. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, she also says that we, you know, it's early in the chapter. Um, yeah. And you're right. I haven't read this one as carefully as I might have. So, okay. But, um, but I did notice that she said something about how, you know, when, when we start to do this practice, we start to think that we know the answer, or we're supposed to say the answer is no, even when maybe we really, we really don't believe that yet. Yes. And what she's saying is yes, but with, you know, so I guess that's what I'm saying. Um, but yes, ultimately, in the paragraph before that one, the second paragraph, 78, the last sentence, she says, you know, I guess, but, but can we truly be hurt by such events? Practice helps us to see that the answer is no. But that can become an ideal until we work through you know, what it is that, that we, we see as hurt. That's what I'm trying to express. So, good. So that's why I asked, what do you see as hurt? There's not that some idea that you're not supposed to say, I, I'm hurting about this. No such thing. That kind of... That, that's just a theory and some sort of, uh, um, you know, comic book story uh, of life. You know, when you're hurting, you're hurting. But what does it mean that she says, that she asks, can anything hurt us? What does it mean that she's challenging where we think we can be hurt. That she can say, can we truly be hurt by such events? Whatever they are. By her use of the word we and us, I think she she says, you know, that we're we're living in a fantasy if you think that we're separate from each other. So it's obvious that anybody who is hurt can be hurt. So everyone who feels hurt is human, you know. Wait, 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 wait! I don't, I, I don't, I didn't understand the jump you're making there, Ken. Can you explain uh, that? Well, um, she wants us to be not separate, which is what. No, 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 no! She doesn't want us to be not separate. She's saying we are not separate. That we are not separate. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Correct. But what does that mean? That means that everyone around us is subject to the same things that we are. Mm, That's theory. No, that isn't what she's saying. What does it mean to be not separate? That's a good point that you're bringing up. What does it mean to be not separate? And some of the questioners bring that up as well. What does it mean? What it, I mean, she says that as a statement, and well, yet... 
it's just hurting, I'm hurting. You know, if I feel, you know, the empathy for them, then the hurt is mine as well. No, no, you're still, you, you, I hear what you're saying, and it's true, but you're, you haven't grasped what she's saying. Because you're still saying, if I feel empathy, then when they are hurt, then I'm hurting too. <laughs> Which, in a way, just further perpetuates what she's trying to raise up. But, Ellie, this is Debbie. I, I was struggling with this a little bit because I, you know, it's our perception and our emotions and our thoughts that I think she's talking about that we think it hurts when, in fact, it just is. It just is an experience, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, the, it's how we believe and think about it. But I did kind of struggle with what Faye was saying, too, is how to deal with in this reality when an experience <laughs> um, comes about, which... Like they said, you fall down and break your leg. Um, that's when I struggle more with the concept, uh, you know, of, of hurting just being how I perceive an experience and then I'm creating the hurt because I'm perceiving this experience a certain way. Um, and I get that because I think that's the way most of us live until, unless we actually stop and become aware of the experience and just practice being that experience without putting any kind of emotion or judgment on it. Uh, but I don't know what happens when I stub my toe or something like that. I, I know she, you're saying she's not talking about that kind of hurt, but that was kind of what I was struggling with, is yeah. certain experiences. In a way, she is talking about that kind of hurt, isn't she? I mean, it seems to me like she... I mean, it's in the way she asked the question. She's, can anything hurt us? Well... Let, you know, right there, anything and us. No, no, no. Let let's stop for a second and go back. Let let me, well, let, me, let me finish what I was gonna and my my thought first, and then you can jump on it. No, I want to go back to Debbie's. I want you. If okay, you go could, ahead. See, I don't want to. We're getting away from what Debbie was saying, and I I think it, it it's important to um, not that we have to ha somehow tell ourselves that I shouldn't feel hurt by this or convince ourselves that um, when I get to a certain state, then this won't hurt me. That isn't what practice is about. It's not some, some sort of idea like that. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's taking the experiencing that includes... I'm hurting as our entry point into this moment of our life. 
not some idea that I shouldn't be hurting as an ideal that I should aim for. I, um, yes, that I just experience whatever it is and I, whether it's um, that I'm, it it kind of goes around in a circle because I, I, I understand that intellectually, so I'm, I'm, I'm just supposed to be, not supposed to, I, just any experience, whether it is stubbing my toe or whether it is feeling sad or whether it's reacting to an experience um, that I don't like, um, to, I guess, not be in res- resistance to it. How would you describe just being with any experience, whether you're my, and recognizing your mind saying, I don't like this? Uh, that's that's what it, sometimes I go round in circles because right. she, she'll say thoughts and emotions aren't real, but yet we're not. It we're it is something to be experienced, not to just to be avoided. It's sometimes hard to know what to do in the moment. Good. It, so it's hard. It's not that there's some specific thing you're supposed to do or something that you're supposed to not do. See, on the bottom of page 76, she talks about, um, she says, In working with my students, I hear countless stories of being hurt or upset. They are all versions of, this happened to me. Uh, And then she gives examples, examples. In other words, we're a a victim. Now that's our usual human view of living. It's ingrained, almost inborn. And she says, as long as we believe that, or as she puts it, when we feel victimized by the world, we look for something outside of ourselves that will take away our hurt. See? How... And that isn't, that's what's skillful. So the question really for our practice is how do I, in a way, go beyond those thoughts? Not to get rid of them, not to go look somewhere else, or those feelings, those beliefs as they're coming up. What is it to embrace that and be the experiencing of that and rather than trying to go away or trying to fix them in a sense put myself into them put myself into being this experiencing including my story of how much it hurts to be this and there is going to be a story because hurts come with stories or stories are what generates hurts. Stories about this moment. Stories about, as she puts it, this happened to me. And we don't have to go looking for those, but in being present, those reveal themselves. 
in the experiencing of breathing, hearing, this moment, inside, outside, those reveal themselves. And the more, if I'll say it this way, the more our muscle of being able to tolerate and experience this, open to this, the more we are not being run by that this is happening to me story or being run by I've got to go change that thing out there or figure out some other strategy so that that thing out there isn't how I think it is therefore I won't be hurt by it. It's wait let me let me let me a little further on on the in this chap in this paragraph on page seventy seven she says it's as though life presents us with a series of a series of questions that can't be answered, and as a matter of fact they can't because as she puts it, they're not based on reality so what were you gonna say debbie? I, I just, I guess I just struggle with um, trying uh, in everyday life practice mm-hmm. uh, tr- uh, being in the experience, whether it's fear or worry or uh-huh. in the experience, but yet trying to reconcile that with this might not even be true. Uh, but yet I'm supposed to be with that experience even though my perception it's just totally my perception Um, and I feel like sometimes I need to see through that perception Uh, well you can ask yourself is this perception true do you really know that it's true and I I shouldn't say um, when you say perception, it, it includes the belief about what's happening, the belief about where it's happening from, how it's happening. In other words, how that comes up. You don't have to go looking for those. But if you're present, we can see how that appears for me, whether it's she's doing this, or it's so unfair that this is the way it is, or and you could fill in all sorts of ors, I can't take any more of this. Or the different ways that we, I'll say, break up the life experiencing of the moment because we keep saying the universe is not the way it's supposed to be. The universe should be a different way than this whole moment as is right now. And as soon as we say that, we we then spin in certain directions. So in a way what she's encouraging us is to go the other direction. Sort of put a little, as she says, a chink in the armor of 
oh, this is happening to me, oh, it's so terrible that this is happening to me, it hurts so much that this is happening to me. And hurt and pain are different things. So, if we use them synonymously, then we get in trouble. Of course, if I cut my finger, ah, it hurts. If you stub your toe, it hurts. If you use hurt in that way, then in a way you're using hurt as a synonym for pain. And in a way we think it is a synonym for pain. Certainly, even emotional pain is emotional pain. But the hurt about it is different. So grieving is just grieving. And yet, the hurt about grieving or sadness is different. That's where we want the universe to be different than it is. We want this not to happen to me, despite the fact that it's happening right now. Okay, Mushin, did you want you want to say something? No, that's then. This is now. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, you kind of pretty much covered what I was going to say, and probably much better than I could. No, I don't say such but, things. <laughs> say what things? That I covered it better. No, than I you. say that. Now, you don't have to say it, but I'll say it for you. Uh, but it, it's the experience, uh, just to kind of reiterate in a simple way um, what you were saying is where I was going to get ready to go anyway with this. But, but I have noticed that, and I can use a real simple example. Um, you know, in, in sitting session, especially early on, you know, I would get back pain. And in, before I learned how to be the experience in the back of the back pain and notice maybe I'm not sitting quite right or there's another way that that I should sit that would be more beneficial. I I tried to avoid the pain and I tried to conquer the pain and I tried it became a thing. It became a thing that hurt was hurting me. And as soon as there was that separation, that antagonism the battle began, and there's no winning such a battle um, because there's nobody to fight. There's nobody there. Um, so you would tense up, and the back pain would get worse, and, and it would just exacerbate it. Um, so it's, you know, we, we tend to use the word suffering. We haven't, I don't think, used that word yet, but we tend to draw a distinction between pain, uh, discomfort, and suffering. Suffering is is what we tend to experience when we try and avoid or negate or um, fight against what is real, which is sometimes pain, sometimes sadness, sometimes anger um, or fear. And it's a battle you can't win. The the other thing I wanted just to kind of throw in, um, you know, on... I have to say on page 76, where she says, now the truth at the very top, now the truth of the matter is that we're not separate. I was okay to that point. (laughs) I'm glad you were okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But then the paragraph kind of went off the deep end for me. I tend to get the willies when people talk like that. Uh I understand what she's saying, but it, 
especially historically for me, I could really go off on that. I could really create a whole image and a reality out of multidimensional energy. Um, and I was kind of surprised she, she went there, actually, to tell you the truth, because the rest of the chapter was just so down-to-earth and uh-huh. straightforward and very, um, what do I want to say, appropriate and real in terms of what I experienced in my life. But I, I'm not asking you to comment on that paragraph. I just, I thought it was kind of odd that she yeah. went there. Well, she on uh, eighty at the top. Also, she goes. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's let's stay let's stay with that one because California. notice in that in the. What did you say, Joyce? Well, she is in California. Yeah, right. No, no. Notice, no, no. <laughs> notice, she says we can't picture this. Yeah, I understand. I'm speaking metaphorically about what can't really be spoken of in ordinary terms. It has nothing to do with California, because I'm sure I've talked, brought this up, and all the ancestors have talked about this by not talking about it, by in a sense saying something and then at the same time taking it away because of our tendency to um, uh, build pictures. Um, I, guess, I guess for me, it was it like, honestly, it was kind of a flashback. Because we, a long time ago, we would sit around and get very high and talk like that for hours. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go to the um, end of the next page since we're we're there already. Um, well, what she talks of, one second let me let me finish this and then the the she talks about at the bottom of page 77 she talks about that practice in a sense is about um shaking up the false structure of our beliefs the structure begins to fall apart here and there. As we practice over years, the structure weakens. The enlightened state exists when it falls apart completely. In fact, um, someone um, has translated the, you know, the end of the Heart Sutra. It says, Gate, Gate, Paragate, Parasam, Gate, Bodhisattva, Prajna, um, Paramita. So they've translated, Gate, Gate is fall apart, fall apart, fall apart, completely fall apart. Bodhisvaha, Prajna, Paramita. So, that's falling apart of all this I structure, hurt structure, all these story structures. But of course, none of us want to fall apart in that way. And we don't have to, because it takes care of itself. Since, since from the beginning, as she starts that, from the very beginning, there's nothing wrong. There's no separation. There's nothing that needs to fall apart. Even the, the uh, so-called structure doesn't have to fall apart, except that if we hold on to it, our holding on to it, in a way, has to fall apart. But, so, there was, okay, someone, I think it was, 
Lisa. Delinda or Lisa. Joyce? Lisa. 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 Okay. Lisa. Well, I was just going to say, uh, well, I wanted to say two things. One thing, um, when we were talking about on 77, um, when she was talking about, she says, when we feel victimized by the world, we look for something outside of ourselves. I mean, I certainly experience that all the time in um, little ways like um, when I feel that way, you know, that's when I say, you know, I had such a hard day, I need some ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I mean, uh, or a different job. Oh, it's uh-huh. such a hard, you know, this this job, you know, I can't stand this job anymore. And then I start imagining that another job is the answer. So I really related to that um, on 77. But also at the bottom of that page, uh, no, no, not at the bottom of that page, but the, the next paragraph on 77 when she says, until we truly see that we're not separate from anything, we're going to struggle with our lives. And, I mean, this goes back to what you were just talking about, about uh-huh. they're not being I, – and I, I also made a note about that, um, that, uh, well, later she says, we don't attack others unless we feel separate. And, um, and I, I had a note that that's when I've been the most susceptible to lashing out or withdrawing from people when I feel separate when I feel excluded or ostracized or criticized, um, then it's very tempting to uh, but it, to, to do something about that, something that's not very skillful. But, but it's that, I think it's that feeling separate that's at the root of, of that sometimes. Yes, and we don't attack ourselves except if we feel separate. Because we also attack ourselves sometimes. If we don't attack others, sometimes we attack ourselves, or so-called parts of ourselves, or so-called things that we did, or whatever else. Yes. And that's exactly it, in in a way. Being separate is one way to describe it but as as a it's too big of a word because it doesn't really help us in the immediacy of the moment i mean we could say not to not to but it it doesn't become clear to us when we're believing these things are hurting me it doesn't become clear to us what skillful practice so that we don't do reactions to the hurts that are skillful, that don't perpetuate and entangle us in more hurt and suffering. See, that's, that's exactly... Um, that, that's why I say there's so much in this chapter. But I, I'd like... It, it, some of you to say more and what we'll probably do is do this continue this chapter next week as well so don't worry if you don't get everything or if you want to chew on some of it more but well Ali, this is Cindy and yes this this question well I guess you didn't pose it as a question but a question came to my mind that when so when I am caught up in believing that that this thing, this 
person, this circumstance, this event, what, whatever it is, that this has somehow hurt me, then sometimes it's very difficult to to even notice that 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 that's a thought, or to even notice the belief there, because I don't know how to say it, but if you're convinced that you're separate, then you can't. It's difficult to. I don't know how you say it, but like if you convince that you're separate, then how can I notice that I'm convinced that I'm separate? Because I think I'm separate. Do you know what I'm That's saying? That's right. The delusions seem yes. true. And, yes. And, and that's why practice, in some sense, is very simple. Not just, first, it's not just when we so called need it as a band aid for. Um, that particular hurt, but it needs to be an ongoing practice or an ongoing development, if I say it that way, of uh, being this non-separate moment. Whether Whatever kind of practice zazen or practice throughout the day, it's always just this non-separate moment. That's what practice is in the myriad forms. It doesn't matter whether you, you're breathing, experiencing, bowing, or any of the other myriad forms, whether it's a con of some sort. It's just that. You are completely the practice to the whatever capacity you have, not to some ideal image we have in the head of what it is, but just this moment. Ken Mio, this is, this is Lynn. Yes. And um, uh, I'll share with you uh, sort of um, my experience, which just may reinforce for everyone that I have um, a lot of delusion about self. Um, but I've I know, you know, when I think about the clarity of awareness, just being whatever is, is my experience at the time, there's a subtle aspect to that. Um, it, if I think about it for a moment, that clarity seems kind of cold and detached. Mm. And, um, but in moments where that clarity has a sense of compassion for my own experience. It um, it gives me a little, um, again, to use that expression of separation, a little distance from the experience itself, but it's not a kind of cold detachment. It's I have compassion for my experience, for that smaller self-experience, if you will. Good. And sometimes that allows me to have you know, if I'm angry, um, you know, if I have some compassion for that experience, you know, I feel pardon the expression for Lynn's anger, um, then sometimes that is an opening that doesn't seem to be so much the armor that she refers to. Yes. And sometimes then I, you know, if I can be just be with that for a while, sometimes it lets me be open to a different 
you know, quote-unquote story, you know, to let go of the story that I'm telling myself about what the other person has done that's made me angry. And, you know, on a really, really good day, I might even find a little compassion for that other person. Not very often, but sometimes. (laughs) Am, Am I anywhere near what she's talking about? I would say... You, you, you describe very well the, the, I'll say it, the, the two-sided aspect of both insight to whatever extent, which is, has the other side of the coin that naturally is with it is compassion. In other words, insight to whatever extent we, we want to talk about it of seeing how the story is not the whole truth. Let's just say it that much. I won't even say it's not the the truth, but it's not the whole truth. And some bigger insight into this moment, along with that naturally, not as some addition, but as a natural part of it, just like if, if we have the palm of our hand, we turn our hand over and we have the knuckles and the back of our hand. It's just one hand in the same sense with that ability to not so much buy into the story reveals the other side of not buying into the story compassion. Because the story is what perpetuates non-compassion or anger and hatred or whatever if, if words we want to use or intolerance or and then you could fill in more. So in a sense, you're describing your your. There isn't some ideal we have to go to. There's not some fixed. We use words sometimes. Joko's using words about not separate, but. It's always in our own experiencing practice moment life, which is being present, which is for a moment releasing the hold onto our story and allowing um, the armor of the, the, the dialogue, this is happening to me, it's all their fault, it's allowing that armor to have a chink in it to maybe allow some other light to shine forth. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it does, you know, and, and there's one step step further then, you know, I I have the experience that when I'm able to be that open, um, you know, there there is that that awareness itself is not uh, as solid, if you will. It it's not um, it's not the face and name and so forth. It's so associated sort of with the thoughts I have about my experience. So it's a it's a different way of being when one can find it. Yeah. In a way, I mean, I'll bring up one more other thing. But um, on page seventy nine, on, on the first full paragraph, there she says attachment. Um, because first she'd been saying some other things which we'll get to another time but attachment concerns not what we have 
but our opinions about what we have. And in much the same way, the issues of getting hurt is not about what happens to us, but our opinions which, in a way to us, sometimes seem as if they are a natural part of what what is happening to us. But if we can see them as our opinions, that is what the issue is. What are the opinions that we have about? Now, opinions is another word for beliefs, another word for stories. There's different ways we could say that, say them. But it's the noticing, we could say, self-centered thought, holding to those dreams, if we use that word. But those are just words. And it's always... And they're very general and they're big and they're easy to say, but it's always in the specific when we're really sure that our story about what she did to me and what he's going to do to me and what's going to happen if, when we're really sure that that's true, that somewhere there has to be a a moment when we can take a break from that sureness and sit with the whole of our life, including those thoughts, opinions, whatever we say about those. Because if we can't, then of course those are going to drive us that this is happening to me story is going to be painful and cause us to to hurt and do hurtful things, whether to ourselves or others. Now, I would like all of us to continue reading and reflecting on this chapter, because I think it's very important. In fact, what I'll do is, when I talk on Sunday, the recorded talk will be connected to this. It'll be my own take a little a little differently, otherwise I'll, you'll get bored and I'll get bored with me saying the same thing. Um, so I'm going to say something, but... I want to us to continue this because I think this is very important. Now, I want us to look during the week, day by day, to see when there's opportunities and whether what she says makes sense, whether what's happening to us and our story about it makes sense, or what might be skillful and useful with this and what not. So, um, does that seem to be an okay way to proceed? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, if Cindy, if you could stay on, I need to speak to you for a moment afterwards. And um, so we'll we'll uh, continue with this next week with this chapter. And, and if you read it, please look at it again and see what you can work with. And if you haven't, please do read it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good night.